Welcome to After Hours, conversations for music educators, presented by Amro Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater talks with Sharon Bryant, Senior Project Manager for NAM. They'll be talking about NAM's Best Communities for Music Education Survey, which celebrates the best music education programs in the country. Applications are being accepted through the end of January 2022, and you can learn more about it at namfoundation.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After Hours Conversations for Music Educators. Today, I have the privilege of sitting down with Miss Sharon Bryant, who is the Senior Project Manager with NAM, the National Association of Music Merchants. Sharon, it's good to see you. How are you today? Oh, it's so good to be here, Nick. Thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate a few moments of your time. And today we're going to be talking about the NAM Best Communities for Music Education because the application period for that just opened up. But before we do that, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and did you play an instrument and what brought you to NAM and anything <laughs> like that? Well, I didn't. I've been at NAM for 24 years. Um, I've been in the market development department the whole time. So actually, I'm in the public affairs and government relations department, so I guess I just told a little bit of a fib. I started in 1997 and just really, really love working for an organization that's mission-driven. Yeah. Well, and I know you do so much behind the scenes, both with the show, but also with the advocacy, the fly-in, work very closely with Mary Lewerson, and just so much that you do. But a big part of what you do as well is the Best Communities for Music Education so tell me a little bit about that. I do. It's it's one of my programs and one of my favorite programs to work on. It's it's a positive program. We get to celebrate and highlight music educators in their community. So just a broad overview, it's in its 23rd year. It's a national program that recognizes and celebrates school districts and schools for their support and commitment to music education. It the award offers national visibility to the community. Um, There's two awards, actually. Most people are just hyper-focused on the district award, which is the best communities, but there's also an award for individual schools. So if you're a private school or a charter school or a parochial school, you can apply for the Support Music Merit Award. So if you're a school that's not part of a district, we encourage you to apply for the Support Music Merit Award. Um, Like you said, the application period is now. We kicked off last Tuesday, and it goes through January 31st, so you got some time. Um, And then we announced the winners in early April. So you get to celebrate all spring. Well, you can celebrate all year long, but (laughs) we have most of our celebrations around spring concerts, school board meetings, et cetera. And then also one thing to really note, one application per school or district. So we really encourage people to collaborate and work together on the application. Well, Tell me a little bit about some of the questions that are asked in the application, because some of our listeners are going to be from big districts who have very large offices or maybe a fine arts coordinator. Some of them might be the only music educator in their entire county or in their only in their district. So who typically does the application and what all is required to apply for one of these um, recognitions? Absolutely. So we encourage the district office or an administrator to to complete the application, but that's, like you said, might not be the case. So if it's the fine arts instructor or even of a parent hears about this, we still encourage them to work with the administrator because they will have the data, but you can collaborate. So 
in partnership with the Music Research Institute and the University of Kansas. They're the ones that designed the survey. Um, we ask baseline questions, and we re- but we require the following criteria. So demographics, teacher-student ratio, participation rates, music ed, fine arts requirements for graduation, teacher qualification, standards for assessing music education, facilities, budget, support for the program. But we always revise depending on the climate. So COVID, obviously, we have to adjust the survey because um, – programs have been impacted. So we really want schools and districts to share their stories of innovation and resilience this year and last year. We really had to adjust last year. We knew everybody was at home and things were different. So we definitely take things into consideration. We have to adjust, but we need to capture that baseline information. Perfect. Well, you can see just based on the questions that you're asking, I mean, this is very much is district focused, it's holistic, and, and it is, there's a certain data component to this. So as people are preparing to fill out their applications, definitely see where you're going to need uh, some insight at the district level to talk through some of those points. Um, and Sharon, I know this is a little bit of a misconception, but uh, the best communities for music education, um, I know you mentioned it's through the University of Kansas. This is this is not a participation trophy type award or anything like that. Is that correct? That is correct. They After the survey closes, it goes into an evaluation. So they evaluate the data. And so, not, no, not everybody, just because you participate, not everybody wins the award. And I know that's a little bit of a misconception here because you really are looking for those best communities and those school di- schools and districts that do support the arts through this. Right. We really look for programs that demonstrate commitment and support for their program. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about um, some of the the success stories that come of this um, because it's a lot more than just perhaps like this plaque or this, you know, what what are you seeing that school districts that, that are re- uh, recipients of this award how does that highlight the success of their programs? I mean, there are so many benefits for participating and receiving this award. I mean, just just real quick, just some bullets. The survey is one, it's a great way just to evaluate your program. So just going through the process of completing the survey, you can look and see and gather the data and evaluate and audit your program and see where gaps are, see how you can improve your program. Um, national recognition, you get to say, hey, my program is at best communities. Um, community recognition and community pride, it's a big deal for the teachers and the administrators and the students. They feel valued. Um, increased visibility of music education in your district or your school. Uh, program validation, it celebrates what teachers and students are doing, and support is usually likely to follow. I mean, a lot of times around budget, if you get up and speak at a board meeting and you say, hey, my program is the best communities, people don't usually cut programs that receive a best of something. So those are like the main benefits. And it's kind of interesting today. This came at such great timing. I received a phone call from a lovely woman in Colorado, and she was helping a friend do some research because they're moving to Connecticut. And her daughter is in the music program, and she saw that we do this Best Communities for Music Education program, and she wanted to see the list of Connecticut districts that received the award because they will only move to a place that received this award. Wow. So a lot of realtors use this as a tool, too, to entice 
families to move to a district that has received this award. So it's it's also a tool for realtors. It's it's <laughs> a lot of people don't think of that that way, but when you're choosing to move to a place, you want your child to go to a school or district that has a program that you value. That's fantastic. Whether it's art or sport, whatever that is, but in this case it was music. Yeah. Well, having um we have been very fortunate to have some districts and some schools in our area, and I've had the privilege of going to some of those school board meetings. And I have to admit, it, it, it's really cool to go into these school board meetings with these big signs and posters and, and some of the PR stuff that NAM does so well with the, the recipient's toolkit to help prep the community uh, and, and to help celebrate that acknowledgement. Um, but it was just so cool to go into that school board because a lot of their visitors, they're either there to talk shop they're there to talk business or they're there with a complaint. And for you to be able to go in and to highlight, hey, you're one of the best. And we've, we've got this accolade to recognize that uh, through this research process. Um, and based on data, it's a really cool thing to do. Um, Absolutely. So and I, we appreciate that you do that. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, it's one of my, it's one of my <laughs> highlights. Because once you do one, you're like, man, this is so much fun. Uh, and you're right. And now I find myself having these. Uh, it's, it's fun to go back and see the same school board. It's like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the best communities for music education guy. I'm back because you guys won again. Congratulations. So. Right. And I talked to you the other day, and you brought up a good point. There's kind of a, like a little bit of a competitiveness yeah. to it. You know, you're like, oh, my neighboring district has received this, but I didn't. So. Maybe we should try. Maybe we should go through the process. Absolutely. Well, tell me about some of the other things that NAM does with this, because the good news doesn't necessarily stop at the local level. NAM makes it very makes a very intentional effort to continue that good news all the way through, uh, really throughout our government. Tell me a little bit about that. We do. I mean, we haven't last year or the year before because of COVID, but we've done it just by mailing, but in May we do a fly-in. We take our members and we meet with members of Congress and we talk about music education and, and why it's important, but we also tell them the good news and about the best communities for music education because we want to share good news. And we take them a flag and we talk about all the districts that received the best communities in their district. And we ask them to celebrate in one way, like send them a thank you or a proclamation. And they, I would say 99% of them follow through and do this. And it's just one more thing that these districts and schools receive. And, and they're like, wow, that's amazing. I received a letter from my member of Congress or my governor thanking me and encouraging me and, and congratulating me on this award. It's so, and it's great to keep going back and we see these little flags on their desks that say, you know, 2019, 2020, best communities for music education that line their walls or their desk. That's fantastic. So yeah, we like to connect the dots, the community, the level, the, you know, federal level all the way up. Yeah. Well, again, just so much, it's such a great way to build momentum and to highlight your program. Is there ever anybody who perhaps that you're aware of that was not a recipient and they used the not not receiving the award as an opportunity to talk about some of the, the musical opportunities? I hate to use the word shortcomings, but the opportunities in their district to elevate their access to music. Yes, I've, I've heard of uh, several of these examples um, where they've applied and they didn't receive it. So they looked at that and they were like, how can we improve or what are our 
are the gaps or what are we the shortcomings and reapplied and then they received it the following year or the year after after they were able to build that's fantastic and you know wherever those shortcomings were they were able to fill and get better and so that's that's happened several times so i would not discourage people to not apply because they don't feel like they're good enough or their program's not good enough. Again, the survey is a great tool to evaluate where you are and how you can improve. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's a great insight and kind of a way to, to twist as an opportunity and whether rather than highlighting the shortcoming, hey, we're not one, but but we know what we need to be to be one. Exactly. And that's a great way to leverage with your administration or your school board as well to say, hey, look. Absolutely. You can take that information and say, hey, I, I need X, Y, Z to get to here. Perfect. Well, for any of our listeners that might have questions or they want to begin the application process, where can they find some more information? Sure. They can find it at the NAM Foundation website. If you just go to namfoundation.org slash BCME, they can find all the information they need, or they can just go to the homepage. There's information on the homepage. We have survey uh, PDF samples there because that's where I, I suggest everybody starts download a PDF, get familiar with the survey and the process, and see what the data you need to collect and get familiar with that information. Awesome. Do you have any other advice that you might be uh, thinking about sharing with prospective applicants? Absolutely. That, that would be my first advice. Download the survey before you even start the process. See what you need. Um, make filling out the survey collaborative process get with other people in your district. It's another way to um, collaborate and it's a positive experience, but it's not so overwhelming then. The survey takes about 30 to 40 minutes to complete, but you might not be the one with all the information. So you might be the point person to to download the survey and and start the process, but meet with everybody else in the district. And finally, you know, thank you. Thank you for continuing to innovate and educate and connect with your students in meaningful ways. This has been a tough year and a half, two years, (laughs) and we just appreciate you. Well, I can't wait to hear some of the stories, if we're able to hear uh, the stories from the the survey, because I have no doubt that there's going to be so much great ideas and information and just ways that people have gritted and grinded through the pandemic with innovation and just recreated their classroom and themselves. And um, that there's going to be a lot of success stories in that survey this oh, year. Oh, I agree. I agree. There's going to be so many good stories. Yeah. That's one thing that's come out of this time is a lot of innovation. I mean, look at your podcast. Yeah, that's right. We're sitting here on uh, <laughs> a kind of a Zoom type platform on different sides of the country talking about the best communities for music education, right? Exactly. We would not have done that before. That's right. Well, uh, Sharon, do you have any other closing thoughts or anything you want to share? Anything we didn't touch on previously? Um, another way to connect. Connect. I, we didn't bring up folks like you, the music dealer. That's another person that could uh, get involved in this process. If you see a, one of your districts or schools that haven't participated in the survey before, you could be the person to start the process and engage with your school reps or your administrative reps yeah. and, and be the person to um, help them 
start the process and get familiar with the survey. Yeah, that's a so great point. So just encouraging another touch point. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and although I've never filled out the survey, um, if anybody reached out to me, I know people that have. And so it would be a great way. So if, if perhaps you're, you have questions or a little concerned and may not find the answers that, that you need, uh, there's some, I have no doubt your school music dealer can be a great resource to help get you in Absolutely. They could be an amazing advocate and resource. Yeah, other people that, that have successfully completed the survey or, or um, received this acknowledgement and, and have been able to highlight the strengths of their program. So that's a great insight. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, exactly. We just want this to be a positive experience. This is about celebration. Perfect. And for last, uh, for our listeners, the application period is open now, and they have until when to apply? January 31st, 2022. Perfect. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. Again, all of that information is found on the NAM Foundation website, backslash BCME, Best Communities for Music Education. You've got until the end of January to get your application in, uh, and if you have Anything, uh, any questions, any thoughts, please feel free to reach out to us at Amro Music. This is something that we're very passionate about. We want to see as many districts as we, as we possibly can be recognized with this tremendous honor and opportunity uh, to highlight the hard work of the music educators, the students, the faculty uh, in each of these incredible school districts. That's Sharon Bryant, Senior Project Manager for NAM, talking with Nick Averwater. After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators is presented by Amro Music. This podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear more conversations at amromusic.com slash afterhours. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators, just like you, can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode, hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.